right, well, you know, we are in the last chapter of Thessalonians, and we might just finish this chapter up tonight. I don't have any outlines, I'm sorry. That's pretty unusual, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably, you can probably count them on one hand down through the years. No outlines. Um, well, actually, I, I think... No. I, I, I don't know if I just had two verses last week or not. But um, it's it's just last little things in there and uh, yeah and kind of warnings and benedictions that kind of thing that, that uh, you know where we were at last week we were talking about about prayer you guys been praying for me yes, yes. you guys been praying for everybody else yes <laughs> all right keep it up keep it up we need it we need it desperately don't we desperately. now in and, and so the first two verses was dealing with that. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. That's what happened with Thessalonica. And, and remember, he's he's writing to the Thessalonians who um, they were going through uh, a lot of things, and uh, of course they were they were scared. And yet they were faithful people. And and yet at the same time he says, pray for us that the word would be spread just like it did with you guys. And then he says in verse 2, and that we'll be rescued from perverse and evil men for not all have faith. So everywhere he went, anybody that took the gospel out, they'd run into opposition. And I'll tell you what, when you, when you deal with the word of God, there's always opposition, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the way that, that, that it comes sometimes. So we get into the next section, and we have some really encouraging words here from Paul to them. But the Lord is faithful. Boy, they need that, right? They really need that. This is good news here. And He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So there we go. He starts off, but the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. So we're going to be dealing mainly... Well, look at those dogs. Three little ones and a big guy right behind them. With the, the ladies pulling three of them. <laughs> All right. Oh, that means it's time for prayer. Lord, we thank You for this evening and thank You for Your Word and may we be uh, comforted and encouraged and uh, desire to be strengthened, to be uh, having our hearts directed towards You and that we would have more and more and more growth, that we're steadfast so whenever the winds and the storms come that we will be standing firm. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, the, uh, the heart of the text and I, we're going to do basically verse 3 and, and 4 and 5, and, and we'll, we'll cover a little bit about that next little section and as it goes on into the end. But you notice the very last word of verse 2 where we were at last week, or the last phrase, for not all have faith. He's talking about the, the opposition to, to the gospel that's being delivered. And then it's interesting, the very next verse says, but the Lord is faithful. That's that same word 
pistis is uh, the Greek word where it talks about they not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. Now, He doesn't have faith, but He's faithful. We can depend on Him, right? And so that means He's trustworthy. He's faithful. Um, and, and really, this turns our attention to the very character of who God is, who the Lord is. His, it's His character. Um, those people that who do not have faith in the Lord, that, pay the, that uh, are against the Gospel, against its messengers, we can rest in the Lord because He is faithful. He is trustworthy. Now, there's a reason why he's saying that because that's exactly what was happening. They were running into men who were evil and perverse and wicked and twisting the Gospel and everything, and they didn't have faith. But... The Lord is faithful. Don't you like that? Boy, there are a lot of times we just need to... You know, sometimes just one word about Him, one characteristic about His nature, it really helps you. He's faithful. No, we're not. We're not always faithful, are we? I mean, we're people of faith, but not always are we faithful to, to, to the Lord as we should be. But we can rest in the Lord because He's always faithful. He, he never moves. He is steadfast. He never changes. Never, never has changed. He's always been the same. That's a great attribute. I like. I don't like a lot of changes. Changes happen. <laughs> sometimes for the good, sometimes uh, mediocre ways, and sometimes for the bad, right? But Paul, you know, he knew God for one thing because of his word, but he knew him by personal experience. I mean, the more that we experience the difficulties that come along, the more we experience that, what happened to our roots if we're depending on Him? They grow deeper and deeper. Yeah. And so therefore, what good, what just as good is just knowing the Word and really having a good grasp of it if we haven't lived it and gone through those experiences? You know, so uh, when those times come, you know, whether good or bad or whatever, you know, that... We're strengthened, that we're comforted um, the, in the midst of the, the most serious trials in our lives. And here it is right here. He's, he's faithful. And uh, I think that means a lot right there. You know, if we just stopped right there tonight, that would really be it. That would really be good enough for me. There's got to be a ton of verses on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. we could go forever, couldn't we? Yeah. I can think of a song. Great is thy... <laughs> Faithful one. Faithful one. We could probably go on and on. So much for the Bible study. Boom. <laughs> Think about everything dealing with faithfulness. Uh, no matter what happens to Paul, the Lord is going to be faithful to him and He's going to protect him because it says here, but the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you, know, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be in a panic. You don't have to despair. You don't have to be in a despondency or, or worry. You can leave it with God. Now, that's, that's simple to say. But when the challenges really happen, they're there, but the Lord is faithful and He'll protect you. Uh, He'll strengthen you. Whatever happens to me, He's going to be there. He'll strengthen. He'll protect you. Sterizo. That means to establish, to make firm, 
to establish roots, to make firm, a firm foundation, strong. He's there to strengthen. And He's there to protect. So in that verse, the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you. There they are going through all that turmoil and He says, He will strengthen and protect you. And these guys hadn't gone through too many experiences yet. It's very early in their Christian lives. So, But you can tell it's a work of the Lord to make it that quick, isn't it? But uh, anyway, strengthen, protect. Uh, strengthen we so familiar with to make firm, strong. Protect is philoso and it means to guard. It means to protect. It means to defend. Uh, it's like whenever there's some form of danger. Uh, and, and in this case, he says the evil one. Of course, you can think there were many evil and perverse men uh, as it says in verse 2. And of course, it's they're all behind the evil one. I mean, everything's behind in, in, in that uh, thought there. Uh, everything that where they're coming from is from Satan, the evil one himself. The evil one. That's who they're relying on. Yeah. Paneros. And that's the worst word you can think of of anybody. Paneros. That's a that's an evil of evils. The evil one. So he, and then you, you keep looking at this, you know, you keep thinking, well, what's he doing? He is he's faithful. He strengthens you he protects you, and He's doing that the more that we get to know Him. He guards us. He protects us. He's never going to allow the enemy to come against you without protecting you. Now, He might allow the enemy to make some dents in the armor, right? But He is going to protect us in that you know, He's always going to do that. Anytime there's any of those tests, temptations, He's going to make you strong. So He's going to strengthen you. He's going to make you strong. And then He's going to protect you. That means He's going to put a wall around you to guard you. So you know what you have there? Okay, you take that word strengthen and that is inner strength. That's from the, uh, the inner security strength that we have. And then He says He's going to protect you. We just mentioned the wall to guard us. To protect us, that's a that's an outward security. So we have an inward security in in Him strengthening us, and then we have the outer security, that wall of protection uh, that He gives us. Quite a great statement. He's faithful, and if He says that, He means it. So He strengthens us internally, and He protects us externally. That's and of course Paul. Uh, was wanting that uh, for him and, and his people t because the word needed to, to get out. And I like in verse 4, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. We have confidence. I'm confident about you. This is a real po positive approach. Uh, and you want to know why? Because of their obedience. It's because of what they have done in the past, because of them being obedient people to the Word of God, that's why he would be confident. He says, we know you're genuine in Christ, that you're really for real. So it's a vote of confidence, but how, why does he have that confidence? In the Lord. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you. 
what the reason we're really at because there would be no reason to have any confidence in anybody if they didn't have Christ. No use to have confidence in me unless I have Christ, right? And uh, so that's you know, but he's basing upon Christ in them, and as they were obedient to the faith. So it's a vote of confidence, as he says, because of in the Lord, he dwelled in them, really, truly, right? There's no doubt that he dwelled in them, and I think that it's about their honesty in the faith, their integrity in the faith. So he, he knows that I'm a confidence because what the Lord is doing in you. And so always giving glory to God in it. Now this is a letter, right? He's mm -hmm. writing this letter. And this is one letter all together, right? Yep. So he really doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, this letter starts out with their fear <clears throat> that, that the rapture has already happened. That Christ has right. already returned, right. and so he starts out telling them that hasn't happened, and now he's got all this confidence. <laughs> well, he doesn't even know. He hasn't heard back yet. Well, I think he knew. He had been there, and he taught them for like weeks, uh, three weeks, maybe six weeks, maybe a few months at the most. A very short time, but he knew them. He he saw, and his confidence is in the Lord. Lord. But he knew, well, you know, earlier, like in First Thessalonians, for instance, you know, they had, um, what is it, it's in chapter 2, we constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but what it really is, the Word of God, which performs its work in you who believe. And, uh, oh, by the word, uh, by the way, in verse 8 of chapter 1, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. So he's even gone some places where he's heard about them, too. Or at least he knows it's going out, it's, it's being trumpeted forth about their witness. So, you know, he gave the gospel to them, they became saved, he taught them as much as he could, already taught them about the, the, the coming of the Lord, but they kind of forgot, or they need to be reminded. And they, because he, who knows how much stuff that he got into so them in those in that short amount of time. He's seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in them. So Definitely. They were, even though they were having troubles with understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He knew their he knew their faith. He knew their hope. He knew their love. Uh, and so they they were for real. And uh, so and he's hearing about them as news is brought to him. And uh, and then, but they they did have this. Faulty or this uh, bad theology come to them, and of course he straightens them out. And and then here it is at the very end, after he's talked about the Antichrist and the Day of the Lord and some real heavy stuff. And we talked about some real heavy stuff in chapter two, but you remember right after that, after the God will send upon them a deluding influence. Verse thirteen. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. And then he talks about sanctification, standing firm, and you know the, the love of God, the eternal comfort, the hope, grace, the strength that He gives you. That's all found in verse sixteen. So, and because He knows the Lord and how He works in, in His people, that's why He can have His confidence. Well, if you look in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, um, 
maybe starting there with uh, verse 4, but then you go down through like number 6, through 6 and 7. Yeah. Oh, that, that's real good. Uh, yeah, read Actually, that, Bob. To, yeah, verse 6. Timothy, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it's come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason... When I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported you always remember us kindly on the scene at see us as we long to see you for this reason, brother. In all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. And so on. For now we live with you. standing fast. Yeah. Yeah, Timothy had reported to them there in that, and uh, as he writes this first letter, and so he, you know, he keeps getting reports like that, and then he knows the Lord and he knows God's people, but he knows that God's people also can really get beat down, run amok. Run amok. <laughs> yeah, and and they do. The lambs go back. There's the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's why he calls a sheep. You know, we we you know. But knowing how the Lord works, then that's where that's why he has so much confidence as he writes this. Even after he had to correct them, he comes back with just you know really encouragement and all the love and the grace that he can. And then he's going to have a few verses where he's going to get a little tough, and then he ends it with. With grace, like always, you ever notice God's word is so full of things that are heavy and hard. It sounds like commands and and uh, obedience. And then He comes back, and then He, you know, He's so gentle, you know, dealing with His mercy and His love and His grace. It, you know, it's just like if you don't like a few verses, you're saying, oh, "But the Lord knows what He's doing." Yeah, right. If you don't like Missouri weather, just stay around. Well. These words are hard. Just keep reading and see what the promise is if we are obedient to Him, right? Just keep, keep looking at it, staying in, staying in the context. That's what I've always kind of feared. Sometimes there's passages that we take and we have, we have to cut off where it's at. We don't get to the, the next part. And it's like, wow, boy, you know, I can sound really heavy at times. And the next week it's like, you know, it's that's the cliff. That's what you were talking about the other day, uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we were into the uh, the God sending them a deluding influence. So we spent a couple of weeks on, you know, there, that's a part. That's the character of God. That's really hard for us to understand. But then it was like a breath of fresh air when we got into verse thirteen, and then on following, and. But that's the way that God works. If it was all just all niceties and all uplifting and encouraging, you know, we could get to a point where we would forget about what our walk is supposed to be. And vice versa, the God's word is very balanced. And there are people that do that. They just read the happy uppities. Right, right. And good, that's there, but read the whole thing. The whole yeah, counsel is what counts. We need it all. Yeah, we, we just don't want to live on dessert, right? <laughs> well, and it's nice to know that when I go through really bad stuff, it's not because I was really a jerk. 
and God's getting me because of it. It's nice to know that this is all part of the walk. Yeah. You know, I mean, there is a little tendency there when you see people going through bad stuff, say, I wonder what they did wrong. <laughs> it's really just them. Yeah. Maybe now's a good time yeah. for my question that I feel well on. A little bit here. At the end of three, where it says, This might this might be helpful. In the uh, in my translation, it actually reads from the evil one. Now, the the word one o n e is in italics, which means this is not necessarily in the Greek. But you, you have this article, and then you have evil. And in the context, it would be you have the evil men, the perverse men, you know, just evil in general, right? But it's all going to be underneath the evil one. You remember the, um, um, the the Sermon on the Mount? And you have the prayer there, right? Um, some people call it the Lord's Prayer. And let's see, that is... In verse 13 of chapter 6, and in Matthew 6, sorry there, Matthew 6. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that can be taken also as the evil one. Of course, it's, it still doesn't change things, whether it be the evil one or evil in general. It, you know, it, And it's all going to filter down from the evilest one anyway, isn't it? And... What it is there, Lord, keep these trials from being temptations to sin against you. Okay, he sends trials. Um, a great example is what did we talk about Sunday? Jesus in the wilderness, right? The temptation, the temptation of Jesus, where he had three te- three tests there. 
Now he had tests, and, and this was all designed by God because the Spirit led him. He drove him. He, he ekbalo, right? He threw him out into the wilderness. He led him in there, knowing full well, here's what's going to happen. But there, and so that means, yeah, this doesn't mean that we're not going to have evil and be confronted by different kinds of trials and tribulations and um, things that are almost way over our head. But at the same time, he's going to keep us from being destroyed. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Remember when he said that to Peter? But I have prayed for you. And so, yeah, Job really felt evil, didn't he? But God kept him, even though his we have a family here that got taken. But even if Job got taken, what what's going to happen? He's going to be with the Lord. But yeah, though he slay me. So I guess as I see it, then as I see it, just as you were talking, I was kind of piecing things together. As I see it, it may be that the same kind of evil that Job befalls an unbeliever at others. Mm-hmm. And then the same, it could look like the same thing happening to us. Mm-hmm. We've got a hope on the other side of that because God is exactly. putting us through that for a good reason, whether mm-hmm. you see it or not. It doesn't go unaware to him that we're being right. and brought to with that. us. And we might even stumble through this thing and really just blow it all over the place, and even almost you know get to a point where we could be faithless. And I'm not and and I'm not saying easy believism here, but I'm just saying sometimes you know Christians can be hit so hard that it looks like they're but the Lord can even take it to that point and keep them from being taken by the evil one. If they have eternal life, they have eternal life. Yeah, Job, That's just the way it is. Job even mm. said he wished he hadn't been born. Right, right. To go through all <laughs> He was right. really you know, on the precipice there. And he went to God, a, you know, about as far as you know you could yeah. possibly go and with pain. Yeah. And with the encouragement of his wife. Right. And his friends. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know Job. He might have caused it. Okay. <laughs> I think I got it. Does that help? Yes. Yeah. So, so it won't be sheltered from any evil doings by others or whatever the world or the enemy has. But we also know that our hope is in the Lord has provided a way out or and that way out makes sometimes understand. The out I mean as in to endure it. Because he we're in his hands and he's he's there. That's what we have to remember though. All things work together what do you have there, Bob? Oh, I was just thinking about, um, thank God that, you know, God's on, on our side. Mm-hmm. Because we wouldn't want Him, I mean, if the evil one has nothing on Him. be at odds with God would be a lot worse. Exactly. And, you know, that that temptation, I keep going back to that in in the wilderness, we see that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. 
he was, as a matter of fact, in, in the Luke passage, it said that he was filled with the Holy Spirit as, as that chapter started. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. Okay, and in Mark, after those 40 days were done, uh, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels were ministering to him. So he got him through that. You know, and, and this, you know, yes, he's God, but yet he, the humanity there is definitely just seen powerfully in that whole section. There it was. After it's all said and done, of course, he made it through flying colors, didn't he? I mean, you know, he he was tempted, but he did not sin. But God protects us, and He keeps us from being destroyed eternally. You know, ultimately is what it's about. Uh, but hopefully we can go through and be stronger and the next time uh, a set of tests come by us that we can stand firm. Sometimes we may blow it. But yet as we become stronger, hopefully we will not blow those opportunities to let God's glory be seen. Again, though, when you go through those trials and we continue to go through those trials as Christians, He also builds that relationship up with you that you haven't had once you go through those. It's not, it's not a self-endure. It's more of a trust than ever. You've been stripped more and more of whatever ideas you thought, what power you thought you had over certain things. And it's like He just he strips it down again and again to remind you that He is in control. Because we always have presumed ideas of how we think things or people or how things should go. That's not who He is. He's in charge of our not. And then He gives us opportunities when other people go through the same type of thing <laughs> and we can reach out to them. And that's, of course, you can imagine this is what Paul is yeah. telling these guys here. Yeah. Paul's uh, already been here and done this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm telling you, nothing is going to be real. And he continued to do it. They all got the torch. But we have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command, what the Word of God is, what 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 He's given them, you know, the, the Scripture, that they would obey the Scripture. Then we move into verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Do they know the love of God right now? Yeah. Any Christian does. But here's the deal. We just know a little bit of love. But the more that we know Him by His Word and then the experiences that we go through, then our knowledge of His love becomes even more. And so what he's saying, that that your heart be directed into the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Boy, if those young believers would just be able to hear this. This little verse here, I think is good for us all. We need this. And you know, you know, we can we can stumble, we can fall, or we can be just running right on through and marching through. It doesn't matter. Oh, the, the thing that does matter is that we need to be put into a deeper relationship and even deeper and even deeper and more and more and more in that relationship. It's called spiritual growth. And that's where maturing takes place. We have our seasons. You know, I think of fall and, okay, you know, it's pretty in the fall, but, you know, things are kind of, you know, getting ready to shut down. Then you have the winter. And in the winter, you know, there's 
you don't see really any green, you know, you, colors are really bland, and you, you go through a winter in uh, that a season, but then spring comes out. Isn't it amazing the different kind of attitude you can have even when you have a nice spring day, right, and then summer and such, but we all have those different kind of seasons, but the, here's the thing is, we need to have growth in every one of those seasons. Things are going real good in the spring and the summer and even fall, but boy, winter. But we can we can allow ourselves to grow even though it doesn't look like growth. You know, that things have to be pruned back. You know, you think of uh, grapevines, for instance. They have to take care of those all year long. Even through the winter, those vines are, are trimmed and they're pruned so that they, they will be ready to bring on fruit whenever it's time to do. So we're talking about growth all the time, maturing. Uh, it, how do we do that? In taking His Word. Have you guys been reading the Word every day? Please do. Every day. Take it in. And then apply it. Read it. Study it. Think on it. Apply it. Obey it. And that's what Paul is, is really saying here. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. You know Him Himself. Lord, uh, direct you. Make straight, direct, lead. May the Lord lead your hearts into the love of God. We all know about the love of God. We've experienced it, haven't we? We know that. I don't think we'd ever deny that. But how much of that love do we really know? How much is really there? Don't you want to investigate even more? And so as you concentrate on who He is, you really start seeing the love of God. It's incredible. You're going to become deeper and deeper in terms of your affection to God. Isn't that what we want? I mean, everyone here, if you're a Christian, that's really what you want. You really want a deeper relationship. More and more and more of Him. I mean, he, we are to love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? Everything. And we know that we fall short of that. But it's a maturing process. It's a, it's a growing process. And so that we'd be directed into His steadfastness. Become strong like He was. Uh, was He steadfast in the wilderness? Absolutely. And that means endurance. Uh, perseverance. You're going to grow in the love for God. You're going to grow in perseverance and endurance. And that's an indication of strength then. When you grow and you persevere, you endure it. Uh, Paul longs to see in the lives of these Thessalonians or God's people increasing affection. It's sad whenever one becomes a Christian and there, there's never any growth much after that. They become saved, but there's not a whole lot of fruit as they go through the rest of their lives. That's sad. It's like a baby being stunted and never grows. That's a sad thing. And it, it, and it's, so he's talking about an increasing, more increasing, a desire for God's honor, God's glory, that He would be glorified, increased endurance, that we'd be able to endure more and more, not to run away, you know, sometimes you get deep into the things of God and people say, you know what, this is a little bit too much for me. I don't want that. That's a little bit, they're too hard. That's, that's asking too much. So is that a sign of maybe not having truly been saved? Or? Well, it can be. 
or it can be, and very, and very much so, could be, uh, but doesn't always mean that. I think Christians sometimes are you know, like the sheep, and um, they get they get stunned at their growth, and that's by because they don't want to go another step. Well, they see the demands, or they hear about persecution. We read those texts. Do you think I like to pick those out and say, "Ooh, I really get into this talking about how bad the Christian life is." I no, I don't get into that. But I know that that's part of the Christian life, and if we don't address it and say, "Here it is," but you know what? It has scared off. I don't know how many people down through the years. The ones who've been around here a long time, we've lost a lot of people because of that. Was it because of me? It could have been. But but was it because of maybe this truth was a little bit too much? When scripture keeps telling you to deny yourself. People get tired of that. This little narrow way thing. I mean, they really, yeah. it's really hard for people to deny themselves. It got a way lot narrower yeah. as the years went by. Yeah. They you get, forget the call. Yeah. The call is yeah. to keep yes. denying that. That's just a point of view. Exactly. But the yeah. scripture also says he takes them out, though, if they, if they just, um, you would say, dig in the hills or walk, run away from it all because it's, the cost is higher than they yeah, I've, we, we've we've seen it a lot, and it uh, this is what Paul saw a lot, and he's that's is why this is this is here. It's it's to take courage, stand firm, be strong, be steadfast, get stronger and stronger, and you know what? That sums really uh, the whole thing up in the, in the Christian life, and uh, you know it it um, we want to be strong and strong. To, to bring others to Christ and bring others closer to Christ and strong for whatever may come our ways. Just strong being a, a witness. You know, I mean, there's so many things about being strong and and sometimes we may look strong and, and, and really are not, but, you know, but uh, I think any pastor would say, give me a people who are, are prayerful, for instance. And finally, brethren, pray for us, right? Any pastor would say, give me a people who are interceding for on my behalf. He was just kind of covering something. Where, give me a people who really trust God and see Him as a faithful God. Give me a people who that believe in a God that will never abandon them. You know, um, and that He... Believe, give me a, a group of people that um, know that He'll always be there to strengthen them. And that he will always be there to direct them into his love and a steadfastness, and people who don't panic in their prayers and they're anchored to a faithful God. You know, that's that's this is what Paul wants here, and of course that's what that's what all of us would want, wouldn't it? This is really what we want. It's not just for us. Give me a people who hear the word of God and then are obedient to that word of God, and because of that, then they grow. They love God more and more and more and more. They become increasingly more like Christ in spiritual maturity. So he says, when he says, the love of God that you'd be more deeply leading into, okay, you Thessalonians, that your love for God would grow. How about this? That the love that God has for them has for them. Like, our own love for Him would grow, but that His love that we'd see, and His love is always the same. It's never more or less. It's 
perfect, right? But that we realize that love that's coming from Him. And then, that love that we have from Him that we'd be sharing it with others. So it's, it's about God's love to us, uh, our love to Him, and our love to each other because of that. So overflowing. Same way with endurance. Uh, endurance there is hupomone. Uh, love of God and steadfastness of Christ. That's, that's that hupomone. Patience, endurance, fortitude, perseverance. And it's the same thing again. That, that they, you know, a lot of different ways to look at it. That they would be patient, waiting for the Savior to come back for them. Second coming, right? Be patient for that. Uh, that they might have the kind of endurance that Christ gives uh, from a relationship with Him. And then the, the kind of uh, um, patience that you'd have through trials and through sufferings on earth. Um, that kind of thing. Love as God loves. To be patient as Christ is patient. So that's kind of the thought there. And then he finishes up in, in this chapter, and we really kind of touched on this quite a bit, even in First Thessalonians. Evidently, there were some there who were not working, had quit their jobs. Lord's coming back, you know, anyway, and so I'll get up on the top of my house, sit there, because He's going to come back anytime. There's no use to it. I'll just sell my stuff, and uh, this is it, and wait for Him. Uh, so whatever was happening there, He has to warn them again. So after you had that great passage, that should have just ended the, the book right there, shouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. as I close out, I just want you to be strong and, and have endurance and know the love of God. You know, isn't that good? And he says, now, we command you, brethren. Paul, you were... Yeah, that was it. We command you. And he already said, finally, in verse 1, you know, finally, brethren. <laughs> We command you, brethren, in the name of um, our Lord Jesus Christ, well, that's a pretty big command, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. We talked about tradition, I think, uh, earlier. You know, it's, that's the Word of God, uh, the Word that they had given them. And uh, the thing is, is that there were some there, this could be some of the, the ones who were saying that the Lord has already come back. Uh, some of them were actually living unruly lives, claiming to be in the church and whatever. He says, keep away from it. Don't let them influence you. If, if somebody is, is teaching falsely, or there's somebody that could lead you astray, get away. Keep away from those people. Can I, can I ask something? Yeah, go ahead. That's good. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't have the word there. Okay. Um, I I don't. I wish I would have. I, um, I should have delved more into that. But uh, Bob may come up with it there. You got your phone? Or <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, and of course, it's it's the Lord's commands, and the authority only comes from Him. And Paul had that authority because the word that he, that he was giving was the very word of God. 
So it's not from Paul himself, but as he commands, he's commanding with the truth and the very power of God and the very authority. He has the right to do it. The Greek is parangelo. It says Paul strongly commands the community as a whole. Is, did you say angelo? No. Parangelo. Is like UN UN Galizo UN If it's that, if it's, it could like that means message, and uh, alongside para angelo. If it's that, and, and I'm sorry, I wished I I had that. I I feel embarrassed now, but uh, but but would that make sense though? Alongside and, and um, the message alongside here, and of course, it, what is it? It's it's coming from so it's like the Paul very word of God. Then by that, it's like Paul submitting to this command himself as well as for others. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul gives those commands, and of course, some of this, as he's writing it, this is the very word of God. I command you to get to work. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you quit your jobs. You know. You, and so he says, get back to work. So he says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner, unruly life, undisciplined among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we wouldn't be a burden to any of you. So he didn't take their money like he was on on the take. As a matter of fact, that was the last thing. So he made sure to back off from that, make his tents, do whatever the work that he they, they would do so they would never be taken as people who were just there uh, to get money. And but he, and so he they were good examples, him and the other ones that had come into Thessalonica. Yeah, that's quite a case. He's pretty... Yeah, this would not fly in, in uh, communities today. Because even even further than that, he says, you know, if, if anyone's not willing to work, he's he's not going to eat. Yeah, it, try to get that by in a community today. You don't work, you don't eat. That's not <laughs> You don't work, we give you food stamps. Right. <laughs> that's right. We'll give you. We'll, give you. we'll take care of you. And, and that's not biblical, is no. it? Now, if some, now if somebody has tried and they're destitute or they can't physically do it, exactly. then that's where the Christians have come down through the years and have been just amazing witnesses to them. And where most of the hospitals come from, Christians built those hospitals, and you know they they took care of people. And uh, so, and, and so, Paul says, "Follow our example." You know, we worked. Then that means you work. You know, and so it says in verse nine, because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. <laughs> there we go again. Make sure you do. It. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat other. What is it? You don't work, you don't eat, and that's the principle. You know, I mean, I think it's very clear. That's why we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I don't think this is brand new to us, but it's a really good principle. It speaks to our times, that's for sure. And and you know what? If somebody is not working, they're idle. They have now time on their hands, and they do things. They think things that they have too much time. Too to much time. Yeah. 
Yeah, busy. And then they begin, well, what they do? Right there in the next verse and, and moving on down, they become busybodies. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, he hits it on again, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. I guess they were freeloaders. They were living off the, uh, the people there. Uh, and so they weren't working at all. And they're just going to get into trouble. Uh, they're, they're really, they're going to bring themselves down. They're going to bring other people down. And so he says, now such persons we command and exhort. There you go. <laughs> He's got a lot of that at the end here, doesn't he? In the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the qualifier, <laughs> to work in quiet fashion, eat their own bread. You know, I think in the the First Thessalonians, you know, uh, to work with your hands and that kind of thing. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good, serving and, and ministering. And Don't grow and you know what that's a good that's a good thought. Don't grow weary of it because it can you can get to the point, well, all I do is just give and I give and nobody ever gives anything back to me. Well the thing is the Lord gives us everything that we need to put it out. Don't worry about people giving to you. Don't worry about it at all. The Lord takes care of that, right? And so that's why he would say here, don't grow weary of doing good. The Lord knows what you're doing. And if people don't reward you, there should be encouragement from people, but if they don't know it, don't see it, or don't have don't even think about being encouraging, don't worry about it. The Lord knows, right? But do good. You know, you work and, and do good, be active. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, wow. Take special note of that person then and do not associate with him so that he'll be put to shame. That's the whole idea. Okay. You know, stay aloof. This is a, a discipline here, a church discipline. Uh, and if there's instructions here and they're not obedient to the Word of God, then back off. But here's the thing that they, they would be put to shame. And then he finishes up. Yet do not regard him as an enemy. He's your brother. Don't don't see him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother that he would come back. And that's the whole idea of church discipline, that they would come back and be... Yeah, it's a matter there that... So evidently, there were some people in that church that were really unruly, undisciplined, that were bothering bothering you know the, the rest of the, the believers... Um, you know, I was, taught, I was thinking earlier. It's about time to, to close out here. But man was given responsibility to care for this creation, and uh, you know, I, I think before there was sin, work was a lot different then than it is now. We can only experience work in the fallen state that we're in, and there's a lot of times where I get up of a morning and I I feel like just staying there, you know. I, I would I would I feel like I would really not like to work today, but I know that I've got to go. You, you guys know the same thing. We've got to work. There'd be times that, okay, the fall cursed work. God designed for us to work, and we'll be working all through the kingdom and through eternity because it gives us things to do. We have creative gifts. It gives value to life. Working does. Uh, it, it gives meaning to life, doesn't it? It gives provision for life. Uh, provision for us and others. Being able to, to do good for others and dignity upon ourselves. And you know what it does? It demonstrates God-like creativity. 
And so, you know what? We redeem our yards. <laughs> yes. If we, we didn't try. go, yeah. <laughs> if we didn't do something with our yards, you know what it would return back to? I mean, events. I mean, if we never cut our grass, can you imagine what it would be like? What if we were going on a six-month trip and we opened up our windows and our doors? <laughs> what would we come back to? Yeah, depends on whether you live in the city or the county. (laughs) So what we're saying is, even if you're retired, you still do work. You do work around the house. You do. There's a thing about you know just keeping house, just fixing food, doing things that things that need to be done. You know, you do. You know, you just do that. So don't feel guilty. Oh, I'm still not working a regular job. He's not necessarily talking about that. But you know, we have to have a living. But if you have a living that's coming in, you're still working. You just don't. Up. I'm going to lay in bed all day, (laughs) all night. I'm not even going to get up the next day. I never. No, we can't do that, right? I'll tell you what happens from that, though. You just get arthritis in your back and your shoulders and hips, and you've got to get up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Bolton, a Puritan, said, idleness is the rust and canker of the soul. Richard Baxter said, I don't even know what this word is, it is swinish and sinful not to work. <laughs> um, oh, and I think as Baxter said, that when you don't have any work to do, you become a problem. You just become a problem. <laughs> there are busybodies. That's what it says here. There are, there are people in that church who weren't working. There were busybodies, and and so and, and we finish it up here. Now may the Lord of Peace Himself. He is peace, isn't He? He is peace. Did you know that's an attribute of God? That's a nature. That's the nature of God. Peace. That's a characteristic of God. Peace. It's a characteristic. He enjoys perfect peace, perfect harmony with Himself. Continually grant you peace in every circumstance. Peace, good circumstances, mediocre, indifferent, bad circumstances, peace. Isn't it good to have the peace of God? Well, we need that, don't we? If you see some really good words here, strengthened, Love of God, steadfastness of Christ. He's faithful. He is peace. The Lord be with you all. And you think, that's it, right? Oh, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. It might have been really big. Some said that he couldn't see very well at all. Didn't have glasses and that kind of thing. Uh, We don't know for sure. Uh, but he signed the letters. Somebody wrote that, penned it down for him as he told him what it was. So this refers back to the beginning of this letter because somebody else wrote to him and said it was over already. <laughs> and he, and this, was his, this was his response to that, right? Uh, he, well, so he wants to make sure. To make sure that yeah, this is this is Paul me. here, yeah. right? And they could they could know that. Oh, that's right. When he was here, he wrote like this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, this wasn't a false teacher that I've been talking about. This is me. It was his mark. And so they knew, oh, this is Paul. And so he's saying, all what he said is true. You know what? I got a feeling the peace of God just came over that whole congregation as he stated that. And then he says this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Doesn't that say it all? 
He always finishes with grace. He starts with grace, finishes with grace. In between, there's some commands there. And then strengthening and comfort. There's so much to God's Word. It is not one-dimensional. It's not three-dimensional. What is it? It's just full of how to live the Christian life and then to have the hope, steadfastness, and endurance. God is faithful and He's, He is a God of peace and grace. Mercy, love, my. Just that little chapter seems like boom, 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 you know, and, and it's like even in those kind of verses you see the characteristic of God. Well, I hope we've been encouraged by a, a little text I was trying to think, how do we do this one? I don't really know. How, I don't even know how to outline it. I didn't have the time. <laughs> I, I just, it just, so, it's just some exhortations to us and encouragements. Does it help? Yes. Does it help? It's God's Word. Always should help us, shouldn't it? Anyway, we need it. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Uh, Bob, there, could you close us down? Gracious Heavenly Father, um, as we learn to be closer to you, in Christ and to know our uh, our place in the body of Christ Lord help us to be better hearers and doers of the word to uh, to be grateful and thankful and to find our joy in the good the bad and the ugly of the walking in this world Just, Lord, help us to draw closer to you, to uh, trust and obey you, and to really understand what it begin begin to understand what it means to uh, to love you with all of our heart. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. April first. That's Easter Sunday. I think we're going to try to have a dinner in the church. I didn't know if it would work out for people or not. For anybody that doesn't have a place to go for Easter, we'll Some that might work and others may yeah, not, but whoever's here, just have some people. Yeah, you're going to be here. There too. Yeah, you, that's what you would, you yeah. made you yeah. think of doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will probably have plenty of food left over for me. Saturday, and then I will be bringing different things. So, Some Catholics, hot love type. Oh, all fools' day. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually Easter. Yes. <laughs> and you know, it's falling on Passover exactly this year, also. 